excited about this. This is so good. And um, it was given by Ruth Ward Heflin. Remember, we read some things from Ruth Ward Heflin. And uh, she is a missionary to Israel, and, and she lives in Ashland, Virginia. Oh, I like this. Come and go with me to Alabama, for I shall make the state a beautiful way. I shall raise her up, and the wind of God shall blow upon her and through her, and the many shall come alive with my love. And I, the Lord, shall be a blazing fire running through Alabama. Many shall come from many places just to see what God shall do, for Alabama shall change in the power of this day. Alabama, know ye this, that even now, beginning now, the winds of God that blow upon thee shall be the power of God that sets many free. For I, the Lord, shall run through you, run with my power, run with my joy, and run with my strength, and bring people out. And they shall come out in the strength and witness of my glory, and the blessing and fire of my spirit. And it shall spread and cause many to walk in the spirit. And they will say what they couldn't say before, and do what they couldn't do before. And, they'll sh and they will say what they couldn't say before, and they shall be naturally supernatural, and work the works of the impossible, and and turn the heads of the children of men. Listen to me. Keep your eyes upon Alabama. For I say she shall be she shall be one that will make the news. And many shall come far and wide. And they shall come in cars and planes and trains to see what God is doing. I say she shall be as a banjo upon my knee. And I will play a song in her that shall reach around the world. Come and go with me and see Alabama set men free. Hallelujah. Do y'all love that? I mean, I tell you, I love it. Now, I knew y'all would want a copy of that, so I put, I made those copies and put those on the, and Jim's going to put them on the information table for you after the service. Hallelujah. How, praise God. I knew it all along, didn't you? Yes, we did. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the confirmation of the Spirit. Yeah, Pastor and I got here just in time, didn't we, to see what was going to happen. I asked the Lord. I prayed, been praying all these years, God. I want to be in on the forefront of what you're doing in the earth. And I guess that meant I had to move to Alabama. When I prayed that, I didn't know it. <laughs> but, I, but I guess that's what it meant. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, um, let's pray and get started tonight. Are you all ready? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we come before you tonight and we're asking you for supernatural utterance in the Holy Ghost and supernatural ability to hear and to uh, assimilate and to digest and to God to just these words of yours to get into the very core of our being. In Jesus' name, we ask that. Father God, we thank you, Father, that if there be any here tonight that maybe feel like that they're behind in the things of knowing things that they need to know. Father, thank you for this supernatural hour that we live in where time is compressed. And God, you catch them up. We thank you for it, Lord God. Father, if there be anything lacking in any of our faith, we ask you, Father God, complete that. Perfect that which would be lacking in our faith. And God, we ask you for it, Lord God. Father, thank you the eyes of our understanding are enlightened in Jesus' name. We have eyes to see. And Father, more than that, we don't just see, but we have supernatural unction and, and details to go and do what you've called us to do and to have what you've called us to have and to be uh, a, a confirmation of your covenant in the earth. God, use us. Make us a demonstration and a confirmation of that covenant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Praise God. Oh, the power of God is so here tonight. Hallelujah. I mean, things were rising up in my heart as we were singing scriptures. God was giving me scriptures. Hallelujah. And um, that I did not plan on. I would um, like to say um, this, that uh, we have a CD available in the bookstore. And this has to do with what we're teaching on. And the name of the CD is Money Cometh. And it's music. And one of the best things that God does is he gets is is when he wants to get something down in his people, he puts it in the music. When the charismatic movement came in in the 60s, God had to change the music. He had he could not take his church where they were supposed to go singing those old hymns that were full of unbelief and doubt. And he changed our music and he began to get us singing the word of God. And remember those old scripture songs? We used to call them scripture songs, and we started to sing them. And you know, now they kind of, some of those, we've, we've progressed, and the, the river has flown, and we have progressed. But God got the unbelief out of His people by getting us singing the Word of God and singing things that were relevant to what He wanted to do. And um, this, this Stan Pody tape, um, it might not be musically exactly everything your style maybe, but... There's an anointing on it. You can tell that God, that God birthed in him this, and he did it for the body of Christ. And people have picked up, I know the song, He Sings, Money Cometh. You know, that's, been, that's gone way past him, and other people are singing it. In fact, I was reading this in Larry and Liz Hutton's newsletter, and I wanted to read it to you. Because we bought ten of those CDs for y'all, and, and y'all have not heard, you've not been listening with your ears, because only four of them are gone. So you need to... You need to hear and say, listen, there's something in this music. There's something it gets in you in a way. And, and if you want to get it in you faster, I know you're reading the Word, but if you want to get this stuff in you faster about prosperity, then this is what you need to, you need to get this thing. It, uh, this is a testimony that someone wrote into Larry and Larry Hutton about one of the songs that's on this tape. Two, and, two months ago, someone asked me how much we owed. I told her... And she said she had been praying and that the Lord wanted her to pay off the loans. There was even enough included in the check to pay the tithe on the gift. When I got home and showed my wife the check, she began to laugh and praise God. She said that all week she had been singing the song, Money Cometh, that you taught us in 1998. See, it gets in you. It gets in you and there's a power on it. Now, we're not trying to sell tapes. We're trying to get the Word in you. Amen. So, so you listen to the Holy Ghost there. Okay, and that's the one Pastor really has gotten into. There's a song on there called My House is Paid For. And, uh, you know, we got to get it in us. God's not waiting on... We're not waiting on God, y'all. He's waiting on us. Amen. And we gotta get we got to get so full of it that it literally squeezes out any doubt and unbelief that we have. You get so that's how you get rid of doubt and unbelief. You don't you, you get it out of out of by getting so much of the other in you that it just forces it out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's get started tonight. We have been talking uh partly this is one of the things we've been talking about when we've been talking about prosperity is some of the words that God uses in the Bible when he talks about prosperity. And remember, we went through the definitions of abundance. We went through the definitions of abundantly. 
We went through definitions of increase. We went through definitions of multiply. Tonight, I want to look at another word that he uses in the Bible a lot. And when he does, he's talking about uh, increase and he's talking about things. He's talking about material possessions and finances and what he wants his people to have. See, we've not really known in the past that God really, we thought God was mostly and and nearly all concerned about our spiritual needs. And then we thought that he, he, he would want us fed and clothed. We did know that he didn't want us to starve to death. But, but we've never really known how much God wanted to be into the abundance side of our lives. And how much he wants you to have abundance. And so we're looking at some words tonight. The word substance is a word that God uses a lot. And, and, and there's several Hebrew words for the word substance. And one of them is rikush. And it means property, goods, riches. And then another one is yesh. Y-E-S-H. And it means substance or being or existence. So a substance is the word we're looking at. And then another Hebrew word is hon, H-O-W-N, and it means wealth, enough, riches, and substance. Uh, turn to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5. And I want us to look at some places where this word substance is used in the word of God. God wants us to just keep ourselves reminded and keep ourselves refreshed uh, in, in to the extent of his abundance. You know, it's kind of like the body of Christ went from believing that God wanted you poor, uh, didn't care about your needs at all, that we, fi we finally got a revelation that he did want to at least give us food and clothing and a home to you know, and then we made a little, we made progression and we began to believe that God wanted to prosper us. But still, we weren't there when we, when we just had that revelation. You know, we, Pastor and I, got that revelation in 1980 that God wanted to prosper us. But now, God, through uh, His Word and through His prophets and through the revelation that He is shining through His Word, the Word that's always been there, but you know, He, he, he opens it up. He opens His Word up and lets revelation come out of it so that we see it in depths and in ways that we've never seen it before. Amen? And now in these last days, He's showing us how much that it's, just, it's more than just prosperity. It's this, it's this extravagance. It's this abundance. It's this, it's this lavishness. And, and He's showing us all the body of Christ, not just here, but everywhere. Uh, more than any other subject in churches like ours, more than any other subject right now, the thing that God is having ministers teach is, is prosperity and getting His people into that place of prospering. He wants you prospering. Amen? Hallelujah. And He has a purpose in that. And we hadn't really gotten our teaching yet to the purposes of why God wants you to prosper, but we're going to get to that, okay? First, we just need to believe that He wants us to. And so we're talking about substance here. Genesis 12, 5 says, And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Look at thir chapter 13 and verse 6. And this is, this is their substance. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. They had so much that it was too much for the land. They were just too rich to live in the same town. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. The desire that you have in your heart to prosper is God-given. The desire that you have in your heart to prosper is not some evil desire and, and the devil will whip you and will tell you, now you ought to be more spiritual. That's not what you ought to be thinking about. But that desire to prosper is in your heart is God-given. You're going to have to seek Him though like the, the word that came forth prophetically. You're going to have to seek Him to find out the details to find out how to do it. Amen? We've not really looked at it in the body of Christ right. We've thought that if we came and brought our tithes and brought our offerings, that that'd be enough to prosper us. Well, Pastor and I have done proof that wrong. You know, we've tithed, we've brought our offerings. I'm talking about, I'm talking about I have sowed bountifully. And we have tithed and we have sowed bountifully and we have lived godly and righteous and upright lives. We've walked with God. We've sought first, but there's other, there's another part. And that's getting the plan from Him and getting the details and then carrying it out. Sometimes we've gotten as far as we've gotten the idea, we've gotten the plan and we hadn't carried it out. We're going to talk about that more in depth tonight. God's given me some things to help you with that. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 27. And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices and for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels, storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and, 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 and coats for flocks. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him substance very much. Who had given him substance? God had given him substance. Verse 30, This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper watercourse at Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. So we can see there that God gave him substance, but you notice there in verse 30 that God had also given him uh, instructions to carry out and things to do, hadn't he? And had shown him things that he had to do. He didn't just sit in his palace and let and, and, and substance just fall on him and wealth just fall on him. The body of Christ, when we first heard teaching on prosperity, we really did think that it was just going to show up in the mailbox. And there were, there's, been, there's been people that have done crazy things. Quit their jobs, stay home, and, and just believe in God for it to come in the mail. And you know, every once in a while, God does send something in the mail. But that is not the normal way that God gets abundance and prosperity to you. In fact, usually, uh, that's, not how the, that's not how that exceeding abundance, that overflow, is going to come. Okay? Now you may, you know, some, there may be a time when God, you're believing God and God meets your need and it just comes in the mail just out of nowhere. Praise God for those times. Hallelujah. But we need to get before God and get a plan. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He has a plan. Thank you, Jesus. Job chapter 1, verse 3. We're looking at the word substance. Job is right before Psalm. Job chapter 1, verse 3. 
Job 1.3 says, His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. So he was a very wealthy man, wasn't he? And then we know that, that Job had a door open to the enemy, to Satan, and that Satan stole his substance from him. But we can see God's God putting his approval on Job having abundance. If you turn to Job chapter 42, which is the last chapter of Job, and then you look there in verse 10, God puts his approval on Job having this abundance. It says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And you know what? You also notice there that God calls poverty, which is what Job went into, He calls it captivity. He calls poverty captivity. And He says He turned that captivity of Job and He, and he gave him twice as much as He had before. Hallelujah. I mean, if God didn't approve of prosperity... And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He sent us a wrong message in the Old Testament that we've just been reading, hearing about Abraham and, and Lot and about Hezekiah and hear about Job. And, and the Bible he told us he is the same yesterday and forever. Why would he send us a message of how prosperous these men were and say he turned their captivity of Job here and then, but, but somehow uh, he doesn't really approve of prosperity. No, God, he hardly approves of Christians prospering. Amen? Right now. Now, he, now, when the wicked prosper by unrighteous means, he tells them in James that they ought to weep and wail because they're fixing to lose it because he says they're storing up treasure for the last days. God's going to, I don't know how he's going to do it, but God's going to get all this wealth out of all these wicked men and he's going to use it for end time harvest before it's all said and done. Now he may get them saved and get it away from them, but that doesn't seem to be the implication because he tells them that they need to weep and wail because they're fixing to be, they're fixing to be without their riches. Amen. Hey, that's not our concern. And we don't need to sit around waiting for, the, for some rich man to have some kind of a downfall because uh, so, we're going to prosper off of him. Amen? Because God has a way for us to prosper now. Nobody has to die for you to prosper. Amen? Nobody has to, you know, there, nothing, nothing has to happen for you to prosper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, something has to happen. But nothing has to happen to the wicked for you to prosper. God has a plan right now. Hallelujah. Right now. Right now. Amen. It's not, he doesn't have a plan for next year's prosperity. He does, but I mean that's not the only. He has one. It's not in the future. It's right now. Right now he has a plan. And then turn to Proverbs chapter 8. We're looking at the word substance. Sometimes some, some ungodly men prosper because they've tapped into the laws of God. They don't know that it's the laws of God, but they've tapped into the laws of his kingdom. The laws of the kingdom work just like gravity works for the saved and the unsaved. The laws of the kingdom are just as sure as gravity, and when ungodly men tap into them, they will prosper. Amen? And then there's another side, and, and some ungodly men, when I say ungodly, I mean unsaved, okay? Unsaved men tap into the laws of the kingdom and prosper by those laws. 
But then there's ungodly men, unsaved men, who have, who have prospered, prospered by unrighteous means. Do you know what I mean? Well, drugs and, you know, by, and, 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 and we know God is very unhappy with that. Hallelujah. He does not approve of that. He is not putting his approval on that kind of thing. And Christians, you know, I, I know that there's, there's decisions that we have to make to walk uprightly and to prosper rightly. We don't have this problem in Tuscaloosa, but we have pastor friends, for instance, in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And they have situations in their church where people come to church and are godly and committed, but guess where their jobs are? In the casinos. And they need to make a living. And, 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 you know, they're torn. God, what do we do? Well, just, you know, I'm telling you this because you're not in that situation. Don't ever get yourself in that situation. Pastor and I have had to make a decision about some things. Uh, you know, a Christian. Can a Christian own a convenience store and sell cigarettes? Well, I'll just tell you this. I don't think God's going to give you a witty idea to have a convenience store because I think you'll go broke if you don't sell cigarettes. So I think what you need to do is get you another idea. I'm not saying sell cigarettes. I'm saying get you another idea. You know, one thing that I had a desire in my heart in the town we lived in, in Seminole, was I wanted to own the Hallmark store there. But then I said, but I'm not selling that Halloween stuff. So I just had to make a decision. That's not the way I'm going to go because I knew that I could not, not sell the Halloween stuff. And, of course, now I thought, parent, I wasn't going to live there anyway. But, you know, sometimes we have to make decisions like that. That's helping somebody. I don't know why. I did not plan to say that. But that's helping somebody with a witty idea. I mean, with your ideas. That some of those, some, sometimes we get ideas and we can see things, but th those aren't things for us because it would force us into a place of compromise or it would put us out of business. Amen. God has an idea that He has idea at for you to prosper that adds no sorrow to it. Amen. There's no sorrow. There's no compromise in His in, in His the thing that He's given you to do. There's not any sorrow in it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs eight verse twenty one, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Now He just couldn't be more specific, could He? He wants to cause those that love Him to inherit substance, and He wants to fill their treasures. Well, why don't we just let Him? Amen. Then let's look at the word treasures. In the Hebrew, the word treasures is outstar, outzar, O-W-T-S-A-R, and it means treasure, storehouse, treasure house, and depository. And in Proverbs 8.21 is one place that it's used. Both the word substance and treasure is used there. He said, I will fill their treasures and treasuries, treasures, excuse me. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 6. In the house of the righteous is much treasure. Well, that couldn't be more plain either, could it? But in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The wicked might have a lot of money, but there's trouble in that money, isn't there? But he says, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. We need to get much treasure into our houses. Whatever it takes, amen? Proverbs 15, 6, whatever it takes righteously. No, Proverbs 21, 20, that's where we were, is 15, 6. Proverbs 21, 20. 
There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. So we're to have treasures in our house, aren't we? Praise God. God's will for his people is to prosper. And God's definition of prosperity is superabundance. Amen? That's his definition. Not ours. We've proved it over and over from the Word of God. Now, another thing that we've been talking about and we want to get into further tonight is misunderstandings concerning prosperity. We went back through several of them last week. And we're going to start and give you some more tonight. Here's a misunderstanding about prosperity. People who believe in prosperity believe in getting rich quick. Now, that's what some people believe about us. I'm talking about all of us. That if you believe in prosperity, that you believe in some sort of a get-rich-quick gospel. And maybe you came in, and you know, here's the thing. Sometimes when somebody comes into a church, and they're just there for one service. You know, it could look like, you can see from sometimes what we sing and things that go on, that we believe that, that, that God's in some sort of a get-rich-quick business. And maybe the first time that you heard the prosperity gospel, you got excited about it and thought, praise God, I'm going to get rich quick. But, you know, that's not really how what this gospel is all about. You know, we don't believe in magic in this church. Amen. Amen. We don't believe in magic. We believe in believing God. We believe in believing God. And you know what? We also believe in this. That no matter how long it takes, that's how long we'll stay in there. Amen. How long till prosperity comes, I don't know. But however long it takes, I'm staying in there, aren't y'all? However long it takes. You know, the gospel is not a... It, 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 it's a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle for a lifetime. Now, y'all know this. You know, the gospel's not a pill that you can take when you've got a problem... And it makes it all go away. And you know, sometimes people just coming in for the first time might think that, you know, oh, you know, they think that they can, that, you know, if well, I'll just do this and it'll just all go away. All my problems will go away. Well, they will all go away. But you'll have to walk every bit of it through by faith. Amen. It's a lifestyle and it's for a lifetime. And you know what? If you're not sold out, you might as well forget it. If you're not sold out to this prosperity gospel, if you're in here just trying it, if you're not sold out to it, and you're going to do it, I mean, you're going to do it through thick and thin. I mean, if you fall, you're going to let God pick you up if it, 70 times if it takes that. And if you're not in it like that, you'll never prosper. If you're going to get discouraged the first time something doesn't go your way, you won't prosper. Amen. Praise God, this is a lifestyle. You've got to sell out to it totally. And you know what? If, you've got, if you're impatient, God knows if you're really believing Him or if, you're just, if you've got that impatient faith. You know what? And you know, we've all been there. We had to learn that we couldn't be impatient with our faith. That it was through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. Amen. Hallelujah. Are y'all going to be patient? Are y'all in it for the life? Are y'all in it for the long haul? 
Are you, is, is this going to be a lifestyle with you? If you I, I tell you, are you this way? That, it, it, you, that you, if it all crashes down around you and you're letting that, sitting there looking, I don't know how we're going to eat this month, you're not going to deny that God's a prosperer. And the, the prosperity gospel. If that's not what you've got in you, then something's wrong inside of you. I'm telling you, if you don't have it in you that Jesus is the healer, and then you say, God, I may be laying on the bed dying, but I, but I know that you're the healer. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's, that's what you've got to... You can't, you can't, you can't have this wishy-washy, if it works, we're going to try tithing, we're going to try giving. You can't be like that. You gotta, you gotta be in this thing for the long haul, amen. And so, you know, if anybody ever thought that this was, we thought this was a get-rich-quick plan, we never thought that, amen. Praise God. Turn to, I want to show you a scripture, Nahum one seven. God brought this up in my heart today, as I was pre preparing. We don't, we don't. Listen, God knows. God knows. We can't fool God. Did you know that? I can't find Nahum. There it is. <laughs> it's not easy, is it? The Lord hid this one. It's right after Micah. Does that help? It's in the Old Testament. Does that help? Right before Habakkuk. Nahum 1.7, we don't look at this scripture very often. We look at Nahum 1.9. We don't ever read the verses before it. But Nahum 1.7 says, the Lord is good. Did y'all know the Lord is good? Amen. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. He knows if you're in faith or not. God knows if you're in faith. God knows if you're in faith. You know, it'd be well with us sometime to ask him if we are. Because sometimes we don't know if we are. And sometimes we think we are and we're not. And if we'd ask him, he'd tell us and show us if we're in faith. Because he knows if we trust in him. He knows if we're believing him. And if we're believing him correctly. And that's why you're here tonight. I, I, I trust that in through these nights on Wednesday night as we're studying prosperity, if you're not getting some things corrected in your faith, then you're not, even, you're not here. You've checked out mentally and, you know, because there's correction here for our faith. There's fine-tuning here. We're getting the pencil sharpened, so to speak. If we have a blunt edge, we're getting it, we're getting it sharpened up. Amen? So we can believe Him correctly and know what we're... and, and get there. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I just want to, under this one of talking about the get-rich-quick scheme, I, I'm just impressed of the Lord to talk to you about this. See, and this, this part's so important right here. Uh, and like we said before, sometimes uh, people are bringing their tithes and they're bringing their offerings and they're being faithful. They're, watch, they're living godly and upright lives. And uh, there is a certain amount of blessing that goes with that. There's a certain level of blessing and prosperity that goes with just tithing and giving and, and with, if there's faith mixed with it. If there's faith mixed with it, with tithing and giving and, and, then, and then just, just being faithful. But, and then, you know, God's been, spoke through pastor tonight. I know he's, this whole theme is in this whole message. In this afternoon, it was in me. 
this plan, these detailed plans that he wants us to get. But I, I'm quickened to go a little bit past that that some of you have gotten over there and seen things and, and gotten ideas and said, I, I see that and I know it's God. And, and even in here in the church as we sing and as we worship God, you know, things will drop down in you. And all of a sudden you'll see things. And, and you know, and the anointing of God's here and you believe and you know it's God. But going out there, I think our expectation has been a little off. I think we've thought that if it's God, it'll be easy. But I want you to notice here in Philippians 3 and, and this verse 14. Sometimes we so focus on verse 13 that we don't see verse 14. Verse 14 says, I press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is not talking about salvation. We don't have to press for that. Unless you want to press and get there quicker. But we don't have to press for salvation. But it, the prize, I press. I press. And I, I'm just stirred up by the Lord that there's those of you that have had, you've had the ideas and you know what God wants and you've seen it under the anointing. But you, when it gets out there and when it just literally comes to stepping out in faith and doing some things, that you've expected it to be easy and you've expected there not to be a press and you haven't, you haven't, you feel uncomfortable with the pressure and the stretch. There's always a stretch to faith. There's always a stretch to it. There, and you, when, when you get to that stretch part, you want all the circumstances to be lined up and you've backed off and you hadn't entered in and you hadn't had the things that God wants you to have because you've backed off from the press, from the stretch. But I want to tell you from experience, and Pastor and I have a long, we don't just have one-time experiences, we have a long line of experience on, on, on believing God for houses and believing God for cars and, 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 improving, and improving and getting the things God wanted us to have. And I'm just going to tell you that every time there was a press, and every time it stretched us and it was uncomfortable, and, it was, and none of the circumstances lined up, Every time. And y'all are, I, I just know this by the Holy Ghost, that y'all are waiting to get all the ducks in a row and all the eggs in the basket. And, you're, you're, and, and you could be further and could have and could be, could be making progress. I know that, you know, through a series of circumstances when we were still farming, God dropped it in our heart and we knew we were going to pastor in, in, uh, in Seminole and we were living in Seagraves. And, and we went and we looked for a house and we found a house we were, we were quickened to and, we, and we, we put a earnest money down on it and, and uh, there was a press. I'm telling you, there was a press. In fact, uh, uh, actually, the prophet had said over him, I'm going to begin to stretch your faith in some seemingly painful ways. And I'm telling you, there was a press. There was a press. I, I can't tell you what a press there was to get that first house. In, and the reason, it, the press is not in God. The press is because the enemy does not want to give you ground when it comes to prosperity. He wants you to stay the same or go backwards, but He doesn't want to give you ground. But there's a press. And, and we had to press to get that house. Yeah. I mean, we had to really... And it stretched us. 
It stretched us so much. And we had, and, and circumstance, you know, it would look like you didn't need, that you should have gone out and, and rented a, a, a two bedroom apartment. You know, it, that's what finances would have looked like. But we pressed and then changed. I remember, you know, God put in our heart, it, you know, nearly every time God would say to tell us how long we was going to live in a house. It's so funny because the first house we was in, well, no, the second house we moved to in Seminole, uh, I, we knew we'd be there five years. And, then, and, and, and there's, there was a press to get into that third house there in Seminole. And then, you know, when we, when I can't tell you the press that there was to get to that, when we moved from Ala, from Texas to Alabama, to get that house in Trustful. And I know that, that many times people in the body of Christ, you know, they get it in their heart that God wants them to have a house or to have a car, a, a new one or, or a better one or something. And they step out there and they try one door. They try, they ask one person and if they don't, if they don't get a positive answer, they just run back and they just they give up but if we'd have done that every time we pressed and we we kept praying but we also used you know the things the things we thought of we did i know when we moved to trustful we had we had uh, no income it's hard to finance a house with no income and we the income we had was going to be a ministry and they want you to have a year of w-2s isn't that right and they want you to have a year of W-2s. But you know, we knew God wanted us to have it. Listen, the Bible says God is saying yes and amen. And we just got to figure it out. But most people would have given up right then. But Pastor, he got the phone book. And he called every mortgage company in Birmingham, Alabama. And he told them his story, his situation. And he finally found a man who said, I think I can help you. I want to try to help you. And all you here's one of pastor's most famous sayings. You only need one. You say, nobody would ever buy my house. I only need one buyer. I don't need a bunch. I just need one. You only need one person that will get in the boat with you and help you. And I tell you, there are so many different ways to do things. But I don't know why this is. Maybe, maybe Richard could tell us. He's a realtor, and he, know, he deals with these people. But it's like if you don't press them, they don't tell you all the different ways there is to do things. I mean, you walk up to them, and they'll say, well, it takes 20% down. And you go, okay, well, that rules me out. We don't have that down payment. That's the biggest lie. It don't. It don't. There's all sorts of ways to do everything. But the, the body of Christ is notorious for just saying, if it's not easy, I can't handle this. If all my ducks aren't in a row, if my finance... Listen, if we'd have waited till our finances lined up, we'd have never had anything. Because not one time have they ever lined up that we ought to buy a new house or buy a new car. Not one time. And some of you are waiting till everything in your bank account looks right and all of it balances out on paper and the, and the black looks bigger than the red. But God's not saying it has to be that way. And I'm not telling you to do something foolish and just, oh, well, God said we could have it. Let's put this on the charge card. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about being before God and, and having unction come up in you that he wants you to have a house or he wants you to have a car or he wants you to, he wants you to do something. You have unction. You know that God put something inside of you. And yet when you, when you get to the circumstances, they don't line up and, and nothing seems to be working. Well, just don't be afraid of that press. 
And don't be afraid of that stretch. Don't be afraid. You know, the first, boy, you talk about God stretching us. In Seagraves, our house payment was $122 a month. I know, it's funny now, isn't it? Did you know my daddy had a fit when we bought that house? $122 a month house payment. He had a hissy fit. Because we paid $18,000 for a house. And you see, and we were young, you know, we were just, we hadn't been married that long. And so, you know, parents are more, the younger you are. And, and, and he had never, he paid $10,000 for the house I grew up in. And it's like $18,000 for a house. Brick, three bedroom, two bath house. And so that 120, but did you know the next house? And, and you know, God God will take you in steps like that. See, we were living in a mobile home that cost $4,800. That had just had the roof beat off of it with hail. <laughs> uh, it hails every year in West Texas. You get a new roof every year practically in West Texas. Hey, the insurance company pays for them. And we were living in this mobile home, and, you know, God got us out there making, believing him for hundred. Well, we really didn't know enough to know he was stretching us. But he got us there because if we didn't go there, we couldn't have taken the next step. Because when we got ready to move to Seminole, that was when that interest was, y'all remember when interest was 15% or some ungodly, huh? How much was our interest on that house? I mean, it was high. It was way up there. Our, we went from $122 a month house payment to $700-something house payment. You talk about a stretch. Now most and, and, and here we and we went from farmland to here's and, and this is what they paid us in our first church. Five hundred dollars a week. That was pastor's salary. Five hundred dollars a week. That's two thousand dollars mostly. I mean, I guess it's really I know there's more than four weeks inside anyway. Y'all y'all don't confuse me with that. It's I call it two thousand a month, okay? And seven hundred out of that was going to gonna go to house. See, a lot of Christians aren't willing to stretch, but you will never, you won't get there unless you stretch. You'll have to stretch. You may not stretch as much as we did, you may not, but you will stretch or you won't make any progress. And a lot of you are looking at, at the, you're looking, turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I'm, I know this is God. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. This is one of those verses where we got past the first part of the verse, but we didn't get to the second part yet. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. Now, we we figured this part out. We figured out that we can't come to church and tithe and sow offerings. We can't be led by our circumstances, that we've got to have seed in the field, that we have got to have our tithe in the, in the, in the storehouse. But look at the last part of this verse. And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. That's talking about our circumstances there. If we're going to look at wind and clouds, we'll never reap. Listen, you know, let me give you a little clue here. It's never all going to line up. He that the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Do you want better than what you have? Do you want more? Has God put something in your heart? I'm not trying to put anything in your heart. I'm saying, has God put something in your heart and you're sitting around waiting on Him? He's waiting on you. You're going to have to take it by force. You're going to have to get in the press. You're going to have to get in the press and you are going to have to stretch. Amen? And if you're not being stretched somewhere financially, then you're not obeying God. If you're just sitting there 
and you're not stretching somewhere. You better you need to be stretching somewhere, even if it's in your giving or if it's in your you know, you need to stretch somewhere. And God stretched us. He he stretched us and, and the, the things he stretched us four years ago, which look easy now, were to prepare us for the stretches that we would take today. And sometimes we get to thinking that it's more godly to sit and and not have a house payment, you know, and you know, but not to have anything. It's more godly to be in faith. It's more godly to stretch and to prosper and, you know, to get out there and believe God. Put some pressure on your faith and it'll grow. Amen? And, you know, it's not going to happen until we do that. And Pastor and I, we, we did it with cars. I know we were driving this, this used Cavalier. And it was not a, it was not a good car. And it was not a, and it was not a, it was not a blessing. And God put it in our heart. He put it, he specifically spoke to me and said, believe me, it's time to believe me for another car. And believe it me for it by the end of February. And I told you that it took till March 5th to get it. And it was a used Lincoln Continental. And it stretched us because it had, a, I think this payment was 300 and something dollars. And uh, it stretched us. And then we, and, and never does, the, does it line up. And people told us no. Bankers said no. Listen, the first banker that tells you no, some of you are afraid of bankers and you need to get over that. They're, they bark, but they don't bite. Listen, I know my daddy's a banker. And he barks, but he don't bite. And most of them want to, they want to help you. And they are not mad at you. And you may say, well, I have bad things on my credit. Well, did you know there are ways to clean it off and get it off of there? Because I know, because we did. We got a lot of stuff off ours. We've, you, can, you get your credit report called up, called up, and sometimes there's things on there you didn't even know was on there. And I tell you, these people, I'm going to help them here tonight, Pastor. These people, they call you and they got you a new credit card and you're pre-approved. Every credit card you've got, the more you have, the lower your credit rating is. So you need one or two. You do need, so I don't believe in credit cards. You need one. You know why? If you go to, Pastor went to Washington, D.C. with the farmers and he didn't take his credit cards. And he just took traveler's checks. They wouldn't cash one without a credit card. You need it in this in this world we live in. You need one, but if you don't need five or six or ten, and that lowers your credit rating. And you know what? Every time somebody calls your credit report up, it lowers it a point or two. So don't let people call your credit report up. You can get a copy, and you can run them a copy if you need to. And if there's things, there's ways to get things off. There's ways to get things that are impossible to get off of it. He did. He got stuff off ours. He got something off of his, and then they left it on mine. And it was off of his, so we we, we did the women's discrimination thing. They were writing us letters and bowing and scraping. Oh, we're sorry, Mr. and Miss Billings. We're so, Miss Billings, we are so sorry, you know. See, because yeah, there are ways in God. If you, hey, he, God wants to help you with everything. You can clean your credit up. And even if you've got things on there that are bad, you can still get what God says you can have. 
Now, I'm not advocating going out and charging a bunch of stuff and everything, but, but I am telling you this, that it is, not, um, it is not sin to borrow money. It is not sin to borrow money. It is our goal to be totally free of debt. But it is not sin. And it is, it, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. You say, well, I'm just going to live in an apartment until uh, God gives me enough money to, to buy a house for cash. Well, it'd be a lot smarter to be paying on the house with the money you're paying on the apartment. And plus, the interest is deductible on your income tax. But sometimes we, listen, Brother Gloria and Miss Kenneth, uh, Miss Kenneth, Brother Gloria and Miss Kenneth, Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria, they are walking in what God told them to walk in. And they are setting a good example for the body of Christ. And that is our goal to get there, where we owe no one and we buy everything with cash. But I don't know about you, I'm just not willing to walk until I can pay cash for a car. It might be good, but it's not really realistic, is it? You might can do that in some towns you could live in, but it wouldn't be realistic in Tuscaloosa, would it? But I don't. I know because it has me before where it's like they've said that before, and it's like, oh God, I feel condemned. And I've even told the Lord, God, I'll never borrow another penny again. We'll never buy anything again that we have to borrow the money for. Well, it was that that one that that didn't work. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's also wrong to use that old credit card for a crutch instead of believing God and to buy things that you don't need and to buy things, you know. I tell you what, though, and I, I, I might all not to tell them this. Go ahead. <laughs> Daniel said, go ahead. <laughs> One time... You know, we, we prayed about Christmas. You know you got to buy your kids Christmas gifts. We prayed about it. We sought God for the money. We had unction that it was okay to put it on the credit card. Now, I know that that just would appall some people. And we did. We went and just put Christmas on the credit card, tried to use wisdom, you know, didn't just say, well, let, you know, let's, let's just buy everything that ever we thought, ever thought of and everything used wisdom, but, but it was a blessing. And a woman came in January and said, God told me to pay your credit card off. But I'm talking about praying and getting before God and finding out, you know, how do we handle this, God, this year? You know it's Christmas. Amen? And there's, there's ways. But uh, here, here, if you regard the clouds, you'll not reap. If we had uh, regarded the clouds, I mean, every house, when we moved to Tuscaloosa, you should have seen the press we got in to get in the house we're in. I don't know, there's something about Pastor and I, we just love to go where they tell us we can't go. We just love to, to, to get a house that they say you can't have. Yeah. It, it, we don't do good at them saying, okay, you qualify for this much. It's like we always want to get over there just a little further, you know, and just... Just, I don't, we just, we like, you know, you get so used to that press that you like it. You get so used to that stretch that you like it. And I can't stress to you enough, though, of the importance of being spirit-led and getting where you can hear God's voice. 
the house we're in now. We went home from looking at it, and the Lord said, that's the house. And I tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. You'll just press. You, when God's told you something, you'll just press. And I know He doesn't do that every time. Sometimes you just kind of have a witness. But it'll, it'll just cause you to, you'll just look at the face of anybody and say, I will too. I will too. We can too. Amen. Sometimes there's some people that need to be more diligent over the figures. And, the, you know, they just, they don't ever balance their bank statement. We'll talk about those people some night. But we're not talking about them tonight. You know, some of you are saying, praise God. We're not talking about them tonight. <laughs> You know, Chad, he's not here. He, he left, so we can talk about him. You know, when somebody leaves, everybody blames everything on Everything that's happened in the office since Chad left, well, it was Chad's fault. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing, you know. I, we love Chad with all our heart. But, you know, he was working in the office, and we talked about bank statements one day. And he hadn't balanced his bank statement in a year or something like that. Boy, we got, I got on to him. So one day he came and he said, Miss Debbie, you'll be glad to know I balanced all my bank statements. <laughs> So, hallelujah. You, hey, you've got some time before we talk about this to get there. <laughs> and then it won't hurt so bad if you'll go ahead. and Okay, so this is fair warning, huh? Okay, but you know, there's other people that need to back off from the figures a little bit. Because they're they're, they're, it's hindering their faith. They're a figure in it so much. You know, I worked with a lady at the, when I worked at the cotton gin. I've worked just about everywhere I've got in the world. But I worked at the cotton gin. And, weigh it, you know, they pull the cotton trailer and the module across and you weigh it. And then they pull it back across when it's empty and you weigh it. And then we do other things too. And this lady, she had one of them budget books. You can buy them one in any office supply store. It was called, a, it was a budget book. She wrote everything down. When she, when she bought gum, she wrote down gum, 10 cents, and it went in the category. Everything she bought, she wrote it down. She got me doing that. It lasted about a month, and then that was over. <laughs> uh, you know, you can get in bondage to things like that. You know, and, and she wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing of she didn't spend the money. I'm so tight. I guess she was tight. I don't know if she was or not. Was she tight? I don't know if she was or not, but really. But, uh, you know, we can be so tied to the bottom line that we can't do anything with faith. If we did that in this church, we wouldn't be in this building. It was, that wasn't logical. You're going to have to get in the stretch. You're going to have to get out there you're going to have to get out there and take some ground and get in the press. Amen. God wants you to God wants you to make progress, to advance, to increase. Are you increasing? If you're increasing, you're in God's will. Pastor and I have increased. Now, every once in a while, for a specific reason, God might speak to you and tell you to take a step backwards. One time God uh, spoke to us and He said, I want you to sell your house, put your equity in the church. And, and, and even that, we had, you know, you'd think if God was asking you to do that, He'd make it easy. And we had to believe Him for the people to, to, to buy the house. Actually, we traded with some people. And, um, you know, we had to believe Him. And we took that step backwards. It was a temporary step, and we knew we were supposed to do it. But most of the time, 99% of the time, you ought to be on the increase all the time. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Y'all catching on? Okay, let's move on. It, uh, let me, we may be through. We are through. Well, I was supposed to get through with this. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, y'all been very patient. I didn't realize how long I was going. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's start asking the Lord for detailed plans for our lives. Have you got something in your heart to do? Do you need to uh, do you need to sell something? Do you need to buy something? Do you need do you is there something is there something you need to do or is it maybe it's a ministry concern? Let's ask God for some detailed plans. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Glory to God. Let's stand up.